Welcome to Missionary Mindset. This is the podcast where you do a deep dive on all things missions in East Asia. This week, we talked to Ryan Greer. We learned about him and his family's journey to Taiwan and back to the U.S. This is a two-part series where we discuss the highs and lows of being a missionary. Kind of tell like a little bit about your background, your family and stuff like that. Just kind of tell us kind of who you are. Oh, wow. Dude, I, have, that's so, I have other questions. That's like so open-ended. So, okay, so, so let me say, I was hoping you would, you, you're too young to know this, but I was really hoping you would start with Barbara Walters. Do you know who that is? Barbara Walters? Okay. Yeah, 60 so, Minutes. Barbara if you have Walters. any listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have any listeners, they'll, they'll, if they're older, my age or older, they'll definitely know her. She used to interview people and she would say, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you? I'm leaving this in the podcast. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so. I was hoping you would start with, I think you should start every interview from here on out. Okay, first question, very serious. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? I don't have an answer to that question, by the way. You just want the question. Okay, so introduce myself. My name's Ryan. My name's Ryan here. And um, I grew up in a a Christian uh, Christian family and mostly grew up in Florida, outside of a Tampa, a little town called, well, it used to be much smaller, called Riverview. And I grew up in an Anabaptist church uh, where we went to church. Uh, the quote is, every time the doors were open. And I don't think that was, uh, that's hyperbole. I'm <laughs> pretty sure my parents would hear the doors open and we would, we would hop in the car and drive there. And, and to the point where we actually built a house just on a piece of property they bought just adjacent to the church. So at fifth grade, I lived like I could step out of my front door, walk 20 steps and be on church property. So that was my life. They both taught at the Christian school uh, for most of my upbringing. So my whole world revolved around like a, whatever, a 30 acre campus. And, and that was all I knew of, of Christianity and faith and God. I mean, it was all there. Um, and it was my whole life. I mean, I'd spent, I mean, every day I was there because I was there in school. We're there, you know, Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night when I became a youth. There were two, not an extra service on Sunday, Wednesday night prayer meeting. Well, there's very little prayer, but they still call it prayer meeting. And then Thursday night visitation, door-to-door visitation, which was just awesome for a teenager. Just loved that. But, you know, I grew up, there's, there, boy, there's a whole, that's a whole like five podcast series that nobody would ever listen to just to talk <laughs> through that. But like, I was just telling a friend of mine the other day, there, there's a lot that was bad. There was a lot bad, let's be honest, but there was some good. And one of the really good things that I, th- I, I learned there was a high view of scripture and a, a belief that. It's true, and it's it's for us, and to take it seriously, and so that was a that's a gift. I'm very thankful to the the Fundamental Baptist Church for giving to me. Unfortunately, there are a lot of other trappings that, yeah. I mean, that's again, that's a, that would take a long time to unpack all that. But I mean, I am thankful for that, and thankful for some of the relationships that I still have to this day uh, from the from those days. Those I managed not to. Uh, destroy when I became an angry Calvinist. So th- those relationships that managed to survive that crucible uh, still exist. So that's good. Now I'm now I'm kind of a 
I don't know what I would call myself now. I'm just like, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Cal, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't have time to really discuss all that, but you know, I, I believe what the Bible says, God's sovereign man's not okay. I'm happy leaving it there. I don't, I don't, you know, if you don't agree with me, we're cool. I don't really care anymore. Maybe I should care more. Um, so yeah. So I, yeah, I grew up there and of course I went to, and please, if you don't know me, don't hate me, but I went to Bob Jones. Uh, university out of out of Christian college. I went there for one reason. My parents said they'd pay for it. So it was that's a good reason. Either go to state school, which I really wanted to do. Yeah, and and I w- it would be actually what my dad said was here was a deal he made with me. He's a brilliant guy. He passed away back in oh oh nine. He said, "Here's a deal. If you'll go to like a Bible school, a Christian school, we'll pay for the f- first two years full. If you want to transfer out, then wherever you want to go, we'll pay for half." So my plan was actually to go to Bob Jones for two years, get that paid for, get whatever out of the way, and then transfer to like maybe University of Florida or we're at University of Tampa or to South studying accounting. And I ended up not, well, I went to Bob Jones and I went to Clearwater, then I went back to Bob Jones and I never, I never left. I mean, I hated like almost every minute of it, but I, I'm just that stubborn, I guess I was going to stick it out. And it's a good thing I did because my last year, my senior year, I met Caroline, my wife, Caroline. Actually, it wasn't my wife then, obviously, but I met this woman who had become my wife. <laughs> and um, I think I met the only cool girl at Bob Jones. I remember it blew me away. I met the first night we met, you know, first of all, I thought she was you know, beautiful and she was really cool and blah, 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 you know, so all those things. But then we're talking and it was real clear that she... We have it. I don't know if I think we probably told you this story before, Kyle, but like I would be the guy who'd be like, she would say, We pray before every class. It's amazing. We get to go to chapel every day. And I was a guy who was saying, You know, listen, it's math class. You can cut the prayer. All right. And we have to go to chapel every stinking day. I'm so sick of this. Like that. We were just like, she came from like, she grew up in public school. She like, and I'm, yeah, I grew up in this sheltered fundamentalist home and i was an angry rebellious guy who would have called himself a christian and she was just like soaking it in it was really weird okay so so then we started talking so i could tell right away like she this girl she she kind of loves jesus like that's interesting i did not i kind of hated him i mean i would never have had the guts to say that but i did in fact really hate the idea of him and so we're ta- we're talking we're just talking and, she- and it's clear like I'm not telling her hey I hate I hate God uh, I didn't <laughs> I would never have had the guts to say that but but she was just so pleasant and and so earnest and she really seemed to love Jesus and then and then the conversation went to music all of a sudden this girl who loves Jesus is talking to me about Pink Floyd and the Doors and Led Zeppelin and whatever, all these bands uh, that I wasn't allowed to listen to that I, that I kind of grew up with the belief that if you love Jesus, you can't love this, this music. I mean, that's like devil music. And I still listen to it because, you know, whatever kids are going to do what they do. And, but I, I met this guy, it was such a, it was like this clash of worlds because she loved Jesus. I would have said that I was a Christian, but kind of hated Jesus, which seems seem to go against each other. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know they go. So here she loves Jesus and she loves good music. And then 
here I'm over here going like one of the reasons why I hate the idea of Jesus is I can't love good music. You know, I, I know that's, we could spend a while in pack, but it was, it just blew my mind that he was just, she was so normal. And every other girl I had met at Bob Jones was like, not, they were like me. I mean, they weren't rebellious. Like they, they seemed like they really bought into it with the long skirts and the, you know, Bible in their hand and the, you know, praise Jesus stuff. And I was like, that was not me. I was, you know, that wasn't real. They just didn't seem real to me. It seemed plastic. And I'll put that on me, not them. I mean, that's not, I can't judge. I just, but then I met this girl who was like, she was pretty, she was smart. She, she loved Jesus. She kind of was into what was going on there, like spiritually. And at the same time, she was normal. Like she, it just blew my mind. Like you wait, you can be a Christian and be like a normal person. I mean, there's always something weird about us, right? Or weird. I mean, there's weird, but, but you don't have to be, you don't have to be so weird. Like you don't have to be off-puttingly weird for no, I mean, you believe the gospel that's weird. You're putting your whole, you're putting your whole hope and trust in this God who became a man through a virgin and, and, and lived and died and resurrected. Like, humanly speaking, that's a strange story. And uh, we're putting all of our eggs in that basket, right? So look, let that be the weirdness okay, about us. But we don't need to add to that weirdness by layering on things that we have no business layering on. Okay, so anyway, there's my, you knew I was going to work in a little mini something. <laughs> there's always something. So yeah, so I met Caroline and that really, I mean, more than anything, dude, that just changed the, the trajectory of my life. I'd been fighting God, angry with God, running from God, you know, you know, the things we do. And uh, that, I wouldn't say that turned me, but that began to soften me and, and to slowly kind of turn me to God the process. And for a while, like I would say, you know, people, when did you get saved? The big thing when I grew up was to write the, uh, write your name and the date that you were saved in the front of your Bible. And like, now it would be like, you know, Ryan gear uh, sometime in the past, but all I can say is right now I'm trusting Christ like that, but that doesn't really fit nicely on a line. Um, I don't like, I don't have a date that bothered me for a while at meeting Caroline started a pro God started a process in my life that, that, uh, probably took, it took a while, a little while to kind of bear fruit, but mm -hmm. Caroline stuck with me. I mean, there were no, uh, there were no secrets between us. She, she knew where I was at. She probably should not have married me, but, um, she did, you know, uh, and I'm thankful for that. So immediately, like once, once my life started to go a certain direction, I, I kind of never forgot, but I remembered this like sense of call I had as a younger man, uh, call to ministry or, you know, it was just what was expected by those. If you really love Jesus, you're going to be a pastor or something. I don't know, but I still was in my head and on my heart. And, and I, but I was finished with, I'd graduated or was graduating. I had a job in accounting and, I remember talking with Caroline going, babe, I, uh, I think I'm supposed to be doing ministry and I don't like, I don't see the, we're getting married and I'm, you know, I need to work. And, and so there was no, she knew from the get go before we ever got married that, that this was probably going to be the trajectory, although we couldn't really see the, how that was going to work. Um, we got married, 
moved to Rhode Island, were involved in our church there, did, you know, worked in the youth group, kind of, well, it was a small youth group, we didn't work in it, we led, led the youth group, and, and then my job ended there, so we moved to Florida to work for my dad, and got involved in our church, two different churches there, went back to the church where I grew up, which I said I would never, ever go back there, because I wasn't really a, a fundy anymore, but uh, the pastor there was an expositor, and I really liked him, and yeah, that it just became, we were just working and, and thinking like, you know, it was always kind of in the back of our minds, like ministry, what is this, is this going to happen? Is this, and the seminary opened up. Well, I was thinking about going to master's seminary. I'm really glad I didn't now. Uh, I was out in California. We had, we already had, we had five kids and a sixth one on the way. And the idea of like uprooting and moving to California, which is super expensive, trying to find a job, go to seminary. Like it was just like so daunting. And Caroline was terrified. I mean, I would never have just done that. It was just like the idea terrified her. It terrified me. No one ever said, hey, babe, sell that. We're selling the house and moving to California. Live with it. You know, even I'm not that dumb. So a seminary opened up nearby uh, called the Expositor Seminary. And a campus opened up. It was a new school. I ended up being part of the first graduating class from there. Allowed me to keep working for the family. and and go to go to seminary and that was four years of of just misery <laughs> it was one of some of the worst years of my life in a lot of ways great years but also just hard hard years and um, when I started seminary one of the questions they asked is what do you what do you want to do with a seminary degree and I'm like I don't know I don't know I, I didn't really want to be a pastor I was thinking I'll do this and then I'll get like a, so I'll get my master's of divinity and teach because I, I would come from a line of teachers and I thought it'd be fun to teach even high school, you know, like in a, in a Christian school or, or in the, at the college level, you know, teach theology or, so that was where my mind was at. I was willing to do whatever, but I was thinking, I was thinking, uh, whatever, I just want to be prepared. Yeah, before I got my master's, like I was thinking, like I'll do this, then I'll do that, and then I'll teach. Because the question is, what are you going to do with your degree? And I didn't, I didn't know. Um, I was willing to do whatever, but I didn't really want to be a pastor. It's not, didn't super appeal to me. I was afraid I might need to be a pastor, but like God might call me to be. I, I still had this warped view of how God works in our lives, right? Like He's really interested in making us miserable and. Uh, make us do stuff we don't want to do, you know, and forcing us in a way miserably. Like it's that idea of Jonah, weird, messed up view of God. So, yeah, yeah, he's gonna for like you're gonna do it. I mean, he does have a will, and he's, in, but I think he's very, I think he's really interested in in bringing us along to to where we, I mean, to give us those desires. So. The way he gave me the desire was a very painful way. My dad died my second year, and there were two or three uh, guys, or two guys who come to my mind right, right away. One is a guy named uh, Dave Diaz. He was my Hebrew teacher. He pastors a church down in Miami. And the other guy is a pastor named Steve Kreloff, who pastors a church in Clearwater. And those two guys reached out to me. I were so kind to me. Steve took me to lunch. He's a busy guy. We didn't really, he didn't really know me that well, but he took me to 
to lunch and spent time with me and followed up with me. And, and there were other guys as well who just kind of came around, other pastors who who came around and weren't, you know, not like giving me like, you know, whatever the doctrine speeches, but just uh, being with me, checking on me. And the, and the way that those guys ministered to me, I, th- I think that's what God used to, to kind of make me want to be a pastor. Uh, the way I said, I, I mean, I like to teach and all that, but, but the way, like, I want to care for people uh, like they cared for me. Like I, I really, it kind of put something in my heart. Like I want to, just sit with people in their, and their joy, you know, when they have a, a baby and then their, you know, and their, and their sadness when they lose a baby. Um, I want to be with people in those, in those things and sit with them and not necessarily tell them what they need to be thinking, but just be with them. And then as time moves on or as, as the situation warrants to, to help them maybe see what God might be doing who he is, you know? And, uh, so that kind of changed my trajectory in my mind. Like then I was like, I really want to be a pastor. I finished seminary. I really have to fast forward over that. The year after seminary is like 10 podcasts. And when you like it, 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 I call, I call it, I actually have, I used to have a playlist. I might still have it on here. I called it the dark year. Um, (laughs) And it was a it was a year and just a which, lot of emo music uh, and uh, Coldplay. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. No, a lot of like really dark music and and ang- anger with God. And um, is it Hebrews? I should you know, I'm for a pastor, or whatever. I, I should have this like reference right at the top of my head. But uh, there's a verse that says like it, it, they they could have led away if possible, even the elect. And I think in that year, if it was possible for me to have lost my faith, I would have lost it that year. That was a dark time. I can't even like, for a while, I couldn't really even think about those days without just a sense of dread coming over me. Like, I remember going to, I was an elder at our church and I went to one of the other elders and said, brother, I, uh, his name was Mark. I said, Mark, I, I feel like I could walk away from all of this. Uh, from God, from my family, not because I didn't love my family, but I felt like to walk away from the faith would be to walk away from them too. And, and uh, he didn't, to his credit, he didn't like freak out. Like some people just like melt down. Oh no. Like, you know, the sky is falling. He was just like, he's the most even dude you've ever met. It still is the most even guy. And he, um, he just talked to me, prayed with me and didn't freak out sat with me, you know, that cannot be, I think the importance of that cannot be overstated for like, you know, two people who hear, hear this, just as if you're in a position where somebody's hurting and suffering and struggling and doubting, sometimes you just need to just sit with them, you know, you just sit with them. So he just, he just was with me. And now a word from our sponsor. Taiwan Missionary Fellowship is a movement of missionaries working together to reach Taiwan for the gospel through a network of mission organizations, church leaders, national gatherings, training events, and resources. For more information, go to tmf.org.tw. Toward the end of that, I mean, I had no idea it was toward the end of it. I felt like I was in the middle of it still. This op, It's so, okay, I, I, I started to shortcut this part of the story. I was telling it recently, and my, I think it was Caroline's like, you can't cut that part out. 
because I I had this I had this view like we a lot of us have of God. I'm sorry, like this is one question. There's going to be no more questions after this. <laughs> That's all good. I had this this view of God that says, and I think if we're honest, all of us have this in us somewhere. That is, God gives good things to good little boys. I mean, that's our, that's the way we think. Yeah. And he, here I am. I want to be a minister of the gospel, right? I want to, I want to pastor people. And the very thing that I want is causing me to rebel against God and be angry with him because he's not giving me what I want, what I want. It's just, it's so twisted. We're so, I'm so twisted. I don't want to put it on you, but I think we're all kind of bent. Oh, I know. True. Kind of bent. I mean, I mean, people in general are selfish. And so out of that, we think, oh, we should be rewarded for anything good that we do. Yeah, I was cleaning parking lots, and I stood in this parking lot one night. I kid you not, I, this was out loud, okay? So it's like 2 in the morning, and I'm in the middle of this parking lot yelling at God. I did not need a four-year seminary degree to clean parking lots. Like, I could have done this. I don't, even, I don't need any degree to do this, much less a master's of divinity. I don't need, like, that, that's not helpful for what I'm doing right here. I didn't need it, and uh, a sermon that I had preached from Psalm 77 came to mind, of which I, my big point was, or I shouldn't say my, the psalmist's big point, Asaph's big point, was that the God who has been faithful in the past will be faithful in the future. His, and you will appreciate this being a finance guy. I started in seminary, like my big like uh, illustration was to read a prospectus, not the whole thing. Okay, but you know, the end of the every prospectus says past results, uh, past performance is not a guarantee of future results, right? Like yeah. that, that's like stock. At least it used to be. I haven't read that's, one in a long time. Uh, it's still stock. Um, one. <laughs> still stock. Okay. And I said, unlike, unlike that, for God, past performance is an absolute guarantee of future performance, future results. So that was the big point. And I remember that sermon, whether the Holy Spirit brought it to my mind, okay. And I remember saying this, and I'm, if I didn't believe that God understood where I was at and, and I was forgiven, like, I would be embarrassed to say this, but I'm not because, and I'm not, I don't feel guilty, okay? But that came to my mind, what I've done in the, you know, I did this for you in the past, I did this in the past, and my response was, but what have you done for me lately? What have you, what are you doing for me now? You're not doing a thing, and I've had it. Like, I was so angry. Okay, so I'm in the middle of this temper tantrum. And, and, and I, it did not last a day. I mean, this is months, okay? And I can feel myself and my heart getting further from God. I'm angry. There's this gulf in my mind and my heart between us. And uh, in the middle of that, this guy, I won't say his name because he, he likes to be anonymous, but this guy is an administrator for a foundation that supports ministries all over the world. I've known him for most of my life. And he called me up and said, I want to have breakfast with you. Breakfast with this guy. Let's call him Bill. It's not his name. Breakfast with Bill is never just breakfast. Okay. He, he, there's always, he has some agenda. Okay. And so I go to have breakfast with this guy and, you know, we're talking. Just, I mean, he, he knew where I, he didn't know everywhere I was at or he might never give me breakfast. And he says, there's a church that approached him that needs a pastor. And I'm like, awesome he said it's in taiwan and i said wow that's great and uh we talked and i said that's that's incredible he said well you have to talk to caroline 
first, obviously. And I, so I can tell you what she's going to say. Uh, she's going to say, when do we leave? And so we finished the breakfast and I pull out of the parking lot before I could call Caroline. I just, I, um, I, I shouldn't say that so definitively. I don't know if I called her and then I broke down. I, th- I think I probably talked to her before I actually broke down. So I called her and told her what, what Bill had said. And, and she, I said, you know, there's a church, he said, that needs a pastor. And she's like, that's great. I said, it's in Taipei, Taiwan. She's like, when do we leave? I kid you not. She said those exact words, when do we leave? And so I hung up the phone and I had to pull over. I had to pull off the road. I was just like, and this won't surprise you, Kyle, because you know, I'm an emotional guy. <laughs> um, but I was just bawling my, my eye. I couldn't even see clearly. I had to pull over. And, 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 and this is what, the reason I would tell that, take the time to kind of tell that story and you can edit it out is that what I was said to God was, this is not the way this is supposed to work. You don't, you're, you've got your, your beautiful son, Augustus, I call him Augustus, <laughs> August. And if he's throwing a fit for a toy, you generally don't give it to him, right? Like that's reinforcing bad behavior. Yeah. And I, I remember saying to God, this is not, God, this is not the way it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to get my crap together here. I'm supposed to, to submit to you, accept my my lot in life. And then when I do that, you say, okay, here's the here's the good thing. Here's the thing that you that you wanted the whole time. I had it right here for you. And, and here it is. I said that that's the way like my transactional view of my relationship with you tells me this is supposed to work. I get it together. You reward me getting it together and and toe in the line by giving me the very thing that I was fighting with you over. It's not supposed to be that in the middle of my fighting you and wrestling with you and anger with you, that you get, that's, God, that's bad parenting. Just struck me. I've been listening to some stuff about grace and I like, this is, this is what grace is. This is God, God, like I was never deserving. Even if I was toeing the line and doing everything right, I would not be deserving of an opportunity to move to another country and minister to to a group of people I didn't even know, but would come to love dearly. And I would never be worthy of that. But certainly in the middle of my rebellion, you should not be giving me that. And it just, it broke me. It broke me like Caroline broke me back in the day, which is I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm hating God. And he brings this beautiful girl into my life um, and uses her to change me. And then many years later, I'm mad at God. I'm angry with him. And he brings this beautiful opportunity into my life to break me and to show me again, listen, I'm God. I do good things for my kids. It's not about what you do and don't do. It's about me and who I am. So, okay, that's a long, a long response to that question. That's, I mean, that's kind of like, and believe it or not, I'd like, that's the, jet tour through our our journey to to taiwan and that happened in that was march march april of 2012 and by february of 2013 eight gears were descending on taipei so so for for anyone who wants to know me and ryan have been friends for a while i knew that he was going to answer at least one if not 
four of my questions when I asked him to introduce himself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But no, that's that's perfect because I just blew the rest of your the rest of your questions. You're like, oh man, what am I gonna ask him now? No, I, I actually... bring the tree question. That's what I bring the tree question up. <laughs> so how did your family kind of feel about moving to Taiwan? I mean, I know you had, I guess at the time, six kids. Was Hudson yeah, our oldest? Hudson was born here. Hudson Autumn. was five. Well, Hudson was. Yeah, five. Autumn. I'm sorry. Oh. Hudson was. Uh, Hudson was, was a nightmare <laughs> that we thought might happen one day. I was kidding. Uh, Hudson's beautiful. I love him. No, Ezra. Sorry, Ezra. Didi. Ezra was. Ezra was five. The November before we left. So he was actually four when all this started. Right. Autumn. So started in twelve. So Autumn was born. And Autumn would have been fifteen. Yeah, the autumn was like 15. That. Elliot was 13 or 14. Um, and don't ask me about the other ones. I can barely remember their names. I'm like, <laughs> so, so I guess how did like yeah, how the kids take the news? Because I know Carolyn was on board. Well, we, yeah, so that was a really important thing to us. We, we talked, you know, obviously her and I talked and prayed and before we ever talked to the kids. And when we, when we realized, hey, we, you know, we want to do this, or we at least want to pursue it. There was a whole lot of hurdles between us and that. It wasn't like, you know, we, we said well, yes, and the next, next day week. we left. Yeah. Um, right. So I, I, I'm not sure what how much time passed between my meeting with Bill and when we talked to the kids. But we had determined when we talked to them, if we get serious pushback, we're not going, at least until we can kind of work through that. Like if we can work through, we need everybody to be on board and not like, you know, I don't mean like, you know, black bag their heads and, you know, hit them with, hit them with soap and a pillowcase until they agree. I mean, like we need them to be willing because our attitude for good or ill was that we were selling everything. Uh, we were going to, we weren't going to, we had a house, we owned a house, well, the bank owned a house and let us live in it. So we had a house and we had, you know, a lot of possessions and. We were selling our our thing was we we're gonna just we're getting rid of everything we're gonna burn the bridge not relationally hopefully but we're gonna burn the bridge because if we're going we're going and yeah. so kids and said hey guys we're uh, we're thinking about th- this opportunity that's been brought to us and and uh, all of them n- nobody freaked out we had had so much upheaval my dad had died my sister died like we had been through so much it was like for them it was like okay whatever it's another crazy thing you know that's happening but they were we had one of our kids was a little reluctant uh that's addy addy was a little reluctant wasn't like she was like i don't want to go there was like a set she is our probably our most this makes a lot of like the best way to say like our most relational kid like she's maybe ezra now has surpassed her but she's the one who would like really uh lean into a friendship into a relationship and get attached like she was um and so for her she was really close with her cousin my sister's daughter and and so she was a little sad but not at all unwilling. Like she wasn't like, I don't want to go. And I would think, well, if you've lived somewhere your whole short life at that point, there should be a certain amount of sadness to leave that. It's not like, Hey, shake the dust off your feet and, you know, forget your family. I mean, so they were all on board, man. Like they, 
they agreed. The, the one person, this is so funny, man. The one person, my mom, God, God bless her. Apparently, unbeknownst to me, has been praying my whole life that I would be a pastor or a missionary. Okay. And I didn't know. She didn't tell me this. My dad used to get mad at her and be like, don't do that to the boy, you know? <laughs> um, and, and then when it happened, I think, see, she thought she was like, you will be a pastor near me. I can go to his church. Like, so when, when we, uh, we hadn't told my mom yet, we told the kids as a secret. So, so we were, we were getting ready to tell my mom and I'm going to look this up real quick. And, and it hit us one night. We hadn't told her yet that uh, about it. And it, Caroline and I, it kind of hit us both. You know, I don't want to make anybody nervous. I mean, it's like a Holy Spirit thing, you know. Um, it hit us at the same time. What are we going to do about my mom? She had lost her husband, her oldest daughter. And now we're going to tell her we're taking six of your eight grandkids to the other side of the world. So, so, so where Caroline came, she was in the backyard hanging clothes or something when this, when this hit her and, and she was like, Ryan, we can't go. And I'm like, my mom, you know? And she's like, yeah. And so we're like all of a sudden really struggling. Like, I guess it's going to kill my mom. And that week our pastor preached from Luke 14. I'm trying to look it up right now. Because he preached from this passage, and if, if and anybody who might be listening might know the passage I'm going to read, I'm looking up on my phone here, not playing uh, a game. Let's see. Yeah, I want to. I want to get it right. He preached from Luke 14, and it's this verse. It says, um, "If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple." And we looked at each other and we're like, well, we have to go. Like we, we wanted to go. It's like, we were like, we had this, like, we have to go, but we realized, look, I, I love my mom. I don't hate her, but in comparison with what, what we wanted to do and what we believed God was calling us to do, uh, our love for him compared to our love for our, my mom is, it makes that look like hatred, right? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's not, not that we hate her, but in comparison, one doesn't compare. So that was one of the harder, that was maybe the hardest thing was to tell my mom, uh, mom, we're, we're going this direction. We weren't moving yet, but it was like, this is serious. We're going for a visit and then, and then we're going to be kind of moving that way. And she was not on board, brother. (laughs) She was not on board. So my kids were on board. My mom, my mom, it's so funny, like mom, you just blame yourself. All right. Like, I don't know. You've been praying for this. I'm sorry. He didn't answer the way you would have wanted him to answer, but here it is. So like, I'm going to blame you. It's your own fault. You should have prayed differently my whole life. I don't know. I know that's not how prayer works, but uh, so, so yeah, I mean, she, she came around. She wasn't like, she, my mom, she just couldn't get over the fact that she didn't care about me. Like I'm, I'm, whatever. Like it's our grandkids and my wife, like nobody who knows our family loves me. They love Caroline and the kids. And then I'm, I'm like, well, okay, we'll take him to, I'm like parsley next to the steak, you know? So, I mean, other than that, my sister, you know, my sister was, was very supportive. My mom was supportive in her way. She was just really, really sad. The kids were all behind it. Obviously our church was super supportive. 
whether that was because they really had a heart for missions or they were hoping to get rid of me, I don't, I don't know. Both. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, <win-win>. maybe both <laughs> is like, sweet. But, you know, we get to the gospel to the nations and we get rid of this troublemaker. Yeah, but it was, people were generally just, again, everybody was very supportive. Our kids were, were really on board. I think if they knew what they were getting themselves into, they may not have been on board, but hey, you know, they didn't know. We didn't, none of us knew. We were, I mean, it was just, I mean, if we knew, we would never do half the things we do if we knew, you know, if we knew everything we know now, there are a lot of things we wouldn't do. So, I mean, not that we wouldn't go to Taiwan if we know we know now, but maybe they would have been a little more resistant to the idea. <laughs> so I know you guys didn't have any language skills when you first moved to Taiwan. So how was like moving to Taiwan with no language skills, really? What did that look like? How did that go? Wow. So you would think that would be like a short answer, but I will say that uh, it went it went really well. I think I think if we were if we were sent there, and I by that I mean like if some, if some agency say, "Hey, you're going to Taiwan," but I think it went really well because we desperately wanted to be there. I don't like we were there a week in July for a week. My wife and I for a uh, what are they? What's the word they use? It's like a vision casting trip, you know, uh, yeah. a vision trip. Uh, we didn't see any visions, but uh, but when we got on that plane to leave, our hearts were breaking. Like we did not want to leave. Like after, and it was the worst. Like, listen, if you want to fall in love with Taipei or Taiwan, don't go in July. Uh, don't go to Taipei in July. It's True. miserable, right? I mean, it's, it's super hot, hot and humid. It's like that. It's like the, the, here's the, it's like it's like hot, hotter, and like you might be in one of the circles of hell hot. Like it's just like, it's, it's just hot and, and humid, right? It's like, you feel like you're swimming. It's just horrible. Hate the heat. At least it's air conditioned here. Like nothing was air conditioned, you know, and, and Taipei. Or it was like really uneven. Like it'd be like a real cold spot and then nothing, you know? And I hate, I hate the heat. And I, lo- I loved it. And Caroline loved it. And we, after a week, we're like, we didn't, I mean, we wanted to look at our kids were back here, but we didn't want to go. It was like, we felt like we were leaving part of ourselves there after a week. What was your question? I guess how I, know I was answering a question. You were. So how was kind of the transition from life? Oh, in the, the lang- US? language thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually was answering that question. And that is because we loved it so much. Like we immediately had such a love for the place, the people, the language. Like it was just so fascinating that I stunk at it. Caroline was really good at it, but it was, it was just so interesting. Like it was, it was easy in that it was just so interesting. We wanted to learn so badly and, and, and this, I can't understate the importance of this. We had uh, two or three people who who just walked with us literally walked with us and figuratively walked with us jerry jerry one who is like i, I it's weird he's like only a couple of years younger than me or a few years younger than me but i think of him like almost like one of my sons you know which would be right i had, had him when i was like seven years old or something um <laughs> but i just i mean that guy became like a member of our family maybe more like a brother you know 
I'm like a literal brother. I just, that guy, I love that guy. And he, I met him through Daniel Cohe uh, as a tutor. He was recommended to me as a tutor after we'd only been there maybe a month, uh, if that, maybe a couple weeks. But it, it's, it, I just, that guy, I cannot think of him without smiling. He, he we probably would have died if Jerry wasn't around. I mean, he was just so helpful navigating things that we couldn't do for a while, transportation issues, the, the different things. So, and then uh, Johnning Hamilton, who was the translator at our church, her husband, Aaron, was our worship leader for several years. She was just, I mean, she might be the smartest human being I've ever met. A literature, she was working on master's in literature, English lit at, at NTU, brilliant. And she really, really helped. That first, probably the first year or two, she was, I mean, really throughout our time there, but especially that first, you're so patient. I mean, just really went over the top serving us and helping us get through. So, I mean, it was hard. The language is brutal. We had a couple people who really kind of helped, you know, until we could get our, and it took, Probably for Caroline, it just took a few months for me. It took about six and a half years to get my feet under under me, language wise. And so, I mean, it was it was, I don't know, I, because our, we had a certain attitude and a certain disposition. So it was, it was hard, but it was never miserable. Like it wasn't. It was hard because I'm kind of stupid. It turns out, like I can learn Greek and Hebrew, but Chinese is like infinitely harder especially because you're trying to communicate in it not translate it right so it was brutal it was hard i think when we had to leave i was just telling somebody the other day i feel like i was at this there's this and anybody who's learning chinese or has learned it will understand this like there's like a there's a point you reach where you can feel like you're about to kind of in a good way kind of tip over the peak of a a hill and then it's just going to be it's going to take off. And I feel like after it took me what it normally takes somebody a few months or maybe a year, it took me about seven years to get there. But I was at the, I was, I felt like I was at the peak of it. And, and I was just like, I could see over the edge, like, cause I'm not having to translate stuff in my head first. And it's, it's kind of coming to me starting to, I can feel it kind of flowing a little more. And, and then we had to leave. So like, but it, it was, I mean, I knew I was a turtle pretty much from the get-go. My frustration was never with people or with the language. It was with myself. Like, I was angry. I was like, why am I so dumb? Why am I so thick that I can't remember this? Or these don't things don't come together. But I had so many, you know, Margaret Run, Run Laoshu. You met, yeah, yeah, you know Margaret yeah. Run Laoshu. Uh, she was amazing, you know, trained so many Christians and missionaries over the years and a believer herself. And I mean, I just had so many people that, that uh, were really vested in, invested in me learning the language and so patient. What a great place to learn Chinese, by the way. It's my, in Taiwan, people are so kind and understanding and supportive of you learning. I understand that maybe in other places it's not it's not quite so good that way, but Taiwan is a great place to learn Chinese because people really want you to, in fact, they're two, like you say, a one, one sentence well, and it's like, oh, I'll be out you. Yeah. 
so you're like, I just said, you know, Nihal, like, but they're, it's so encouraging and I don't do well with discouragement. So it was in seven years, I think I had one person be unkind to me about language that's and one good. person. That's pretty good. Well, that's all for this week. I hope you join us again in two weeks to continue the conversation with Ryan. Big thank you to our guest, Ryan, as well as Dale, our editor, and Nelson, our producer. We also couldn't do this without you, the listener. If you get a moment, please rate, share, and review. It may not sound like much, but every little bit helps. If you have a question or would like to reach out, feel free to contact us at tmfccg at gmail.com. We'll be back in two more weeks. Until then, bye.